the big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract, ever. And keep the phone and number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions. Hey, everybody out there. It's Moses J. Mosley. You may know me as one of Michonne's pet walkers from the hit AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. And you guys should definitely listen to Talking About Walkers. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Indie Radio presents Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. The show that breaks down all new episodes of your favorite zombie TV show right here on IndieRadio.org. And now, here are the hosts of the podcast, Kente, Jen, and Olaf. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. Hello and, and welcome I'm, to an... And I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. Uh, we are talking about episode uh, number 14 of season nine. And this episode is called Scars. And, uh, you know, this one was a, definitely a different one than we had, we've seen so far. So I'm really interested in getting your point of view on it. Um, this one filled in a lot of gaps that were missing. And, uh, you know, and it really gave some more, um, gave a little more uh, clarity on w- what happened with uh, both Michonne and Daryl. So but before I do that, uh, let me introduce my wonderful co-host. It's the one and only uh, Jen. <laughs> no, you know you what? A little sure about who you had. No, on it was just. I, I'm, what, can I say why I I took the pregnant pause? It just flashed uh, on yeah, the I screen. Yeah, I hope you're not pregnant. No, no, no. That it just flashed on the screen that in living color to hit the big screen with the cast reuniting for 25 years after the final finale. That's what got my. It took my attention. Whoa. Away. So that's why I was like, uh, you know, because I, you know, I, he obviously a huge fan of the show and. Uh, that just took me by. I mean, I've been hearing that they, you know, are going to do that. And, uh, you know, wow, that's pretty freaking cool. So sorry. About that's that. exciting. Yeah. So that's it wasn't because I forgot who you were. It was just that was it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, I'm really glad to hear that. I, I was a little bit concerned. So. <laughs> As you should have been. If I, if I don't know who you are by now. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> And, and, you know, you're absolutely right. This episode was really different. I have a lot to say about this episode, so let's get to it. Yeah, let's, let's get to it. Um, this episode, now, you're going to um, shoot me, okay? And, I mean, you're like so many times, you're like, I've had to shoot you so many times. But <laughs> one thing that, and I know the listeners are going to shoot me as well, but so just go ahead and get your guns ready. Um, I didn't understand what was the relation between uh, Michonne and the black lady. Uh, 
like they I, they knew each other from before, but I didn't know what their relation was. <clears throat> was that clear? I don't even know if that was clear. Oh, okay. So it wasn't just me. I I mean I I don't think that they were uh, th- clearly they were that I don't think they were related. If that's what you're thinking. Oh, okay. Because I'm sitting there like. I'm sitting there like, what, you know, like, did I miss something or something? And I'm really thinking, like, I missed something, and I and I didn't get a chance to look at it a second time. So that's why I was like, okay, did they uh, did they say what who this person is? Uh, okay, so it's not me. All right. At least I I didn't catch it either. So if somebody did catch it and we're wrong, please let us know. Jocelyn too was her name. Um, Jocelyn, right? right. Yeah. So and, uh, and and that actress was very good. Uh, she did a very good job. Her name was Re- that whole Wilson. that whole storyline was just it. It was good. It was very good. Yeah, she, people may remember that she was on the show uh, True Blood. She was a a main character on True Blood, as well as the series. That's right. Yeah, and as well as uh, she was on this show called Queen Sugar, as well, and Hannibal. Gosh, was she Tara? No, uh, Reba McLean was her character's oh, name. Uh, on True Blood? No, on um, no, she's Tara on uh, True Blood. Yeah, okay, Hannibal, okay, she got was it. Reba McLean. Yeah, Reba, right. Yeah. So she's, yeah, I remember her on that. Yeah, so she's been around for a minute. Yeah, she's been around for a minute. She's a very good actress, and she did a great job too. By the way, so kudos to her. But um. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So it's not just me. I, I feel better now that I didn't uh, miss that. And if anybody um, who's listening or whatnot, or hears this podcast, if you know, if it's, I didn't see the talking dead afterwards. So I don't know, you know, this character, how this character knew uh, Michonne. So, yes. Um, it. I mean, obviously they knew each other from before the uh the zombie apocalypse but but who they were to each other i i just i didn't catch it 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 felt like in that introduction piece where they all came to the wall that there was something and and obviously there was some instant excuse me there was some instant uh recognition but i i didn't hear anything specific and usually i catch that stuff You know, one thing, too, is, uh, see, I didn't see The Talking Dead, so I'm assuming they talked about it. So anybody who's seen The Talking Dead will will definitely probably un- understand what I'm about to say. But I'm looking at the cast list, and Chris Hardwick is uh, credited as a walker in this episode. No way! Yeah, and I think he's been one before. But, uh, yeah, so he's, it says he was uncredited on the show but it says here on imdb he was a walker so wow i'm sure they they must have shown it probably on the talking dead i i, I can only imagine so i guess <laughs> I, i'm gonna end up watching it after we do this podcast and then we go oh there he, he was hit that guy one right so, but um anyway so uh this episode was very interesting it was shot interesting as well uh it was uh you know, it, it dealt with a lot of interesting themes and I really, I really, I thought 
Denai Guerrero's performance was awesome. She's all you know. She's always solid on the show, but uh, I thought in this one they really gave her a lot. You know, it's starting to feel like you know. I mean, we know that she's not going to be on the show past this season, but right. if we didn't know that, it almost felt like one of those you know episodes that they give people when you know they're about to be no more on the show. <laughs> so you know. You know, it kind of felt like that to a certain degree. Uh, so, I mean, there's so much to talk about. We could talk about Michonne's pregnancy. We could talk about Judith. We could talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the torture. Uh, I think I'm going to start off with the relationship between Michonne and uh, Negan. Because, you know, those scenes in the in the jail cell is very very interesting i i really i feel like they're very well written and obviously well acted and you know for a whole season jeffrey dean morgan has been you know in the jail cell right besides you know getting out the one time right right and in a way it's almost like man he's such a really good actor to keep you know in bondage like that you know uh but kudos to them by sticking to it through the whole episode because I mean, through the whole season, because I'm sure they would be tempted to, you know, let him out and, you know, earlier, like which we thought they did at the mid season premiere. Right. So kudos to them because it, it needed to feel like he was incarcerated a long time before one, you know, whatever gets him out of there. And they've done a good job with that. But the scene where Judith comes up missing and Michonne has no choice but to go to Negan. I thought it was a really good scene. What'd you think about that one? I, yeah, I did like that. What, what I, what I thought was uh, maybe the most telling about it was Michonne was intuitive enough to go to Negan to ask Negan, what do you know? Do you know where Judith might be? That felt very telling in the sense that clearly Michonne doesn't just think that Judith is visiting Negan every now and then. <clears throat> Whatever else is happening, Michonne seems to have a clear vision that something, some kind of relationship, whether it's friendship or what, whatever you want to call it, has developed between the two of them and where she doesn't know where to go to find Judith. She thinks Negan does. That seemed pretty telling to me. I, I actually think that the other thing that was telling about their interaction is how much Michonne is like Negan now, how similar they really are in their thought processes and how it's only their own sort of uh, how they think about each other that separates that. Because if you listen to what they say, gosh, their dialogue just almost parallels each other at either different points of the series or even within the same episode. It's, it's, it's actually very interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, and I thought that, um, in a way there he's, he might be the only one of the only people that really can understand him on a different level. Uh, you know, I mean, which sounds crazy, right? But, uh, there's some truth to that, you know? Well, I think also, you know, just from a, a strange sort of uh, observation, 
<laughs> Negan is clearly strong, strong in the same way that Rick was strong. And I agree with Michonne that, you know, killing Negan turns him into a martyr. But at this point, it it's actually not that he's going to be a martyr because there's no one left to be to think that right there's no no one in alexandria is going to think that negan is a martyr there's no saviors out there that are going to be thinking that but what is what is interesting about it is it it is really obvious that michonne struggles with this idea of what justice really is and whether justice is what rick thought it was or whether justice is some new hybrid that's happening now because of all the changes. And it's funny that Judith is sort of the bridge between Rick and and Negan in 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 a way for Michonne that gives her sort of separate paths. Does that I, I I'm not sure if that's super clear, but it's 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 like Judith is sort of the reminder to Michonne that that Rick's way was the way that they not just all agreed to be, but truly when you see Judith sort of re-emphasizing the things that Rick once emphasized, it's hard for Michonne to ignore. No, 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 you're right. And it's almost like she, he charted her path and out of respect, out of, you know, devotion, She's staying on that path, you know, and even though she, there's a lot of uncertainty with it and things that I'm, you know, we know that she doesn't agree with, but she's doing it because she feels like it's the right thing, you know? Well, and the, the, I, I think the main difference is where Michonne has d- decided, based on what we found out in Scars, to close off the community because it's a zero-sum equation. No one is trustworthy. Everyone is a danger. Even people that you thought were your best friends pre-post-apocalypse can turn on you in an instant and strike the ones that you love the most. That is a powerful piece of narrative to have injected into a character's story arc because it basically what Rick was all about was, okay, look, there are exceptions to how we handle this, but we need people. We need we need to have people to protect. Otherwise, what is this for? And I also sort of feel like that's the road that Carl was down. I mean, Carl was sort of in that same mode. Like, well, what's all of this for if it's not to do something good? And and is something good just isolating ourselves or is it something more and the 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 michonne piece michonne closed herself off completely and it sort of took judith and by proxy negan to come back to the idea that okay maybe people are worth protecting maybe people i don't know are worth protecting even if the risk is they things people might get hurt Right. Does that, I know that that sounds maybe like an oversimplification and maybe even redundant in sort of the long conversations that we've had about Michonne and, and, and Alexandria. But I feel like every time we uncover a layer of Michonne, we see more and more clearly what that 
exact concept is. Why is it that people are worth protecting? What is it that people have that gives them any right from Michonne's point of view to be protected by the community that they have all worked so hard to build? Right. Does that I, I, I hope that that's clear enough. No, it's very clear and it's very well said. And, uh, you know, it's very deep, uh, you know, that that that's something that you have to think about. Everything's not cut and dry, black and white. It, and a lot of times we like to make things that way. But it, a lot of, it's a lot of times it's not what it is. And um, they did a good job this season of really illustrating the that. So, uh, kudos. Yeah. Kudos. Wh- yeah. Which, which I feel like is a little bit of a departure uh, from some of the past storylines of The Walking Dead, where even if we didn't know that the quote-unquote bad guys were bad guys, we were always given cues, and they really always were real bad guys, right? I mean, they were just morally askew. And then in this season, we there are still some bad guys, but we definitely have a greater depth of field here of morally ambiguous <coughs> issues to deal with. And and I feel like that's a really welcomed addition to some of the questions that are surrounding the how th- how people would survive an apocalypse. It not not just the zombie apocalypse, but any apocalypse. <clears throat> and it's it I, I like that dynamic a lot. I like being able to think about the many shades of gray, not just the black and the white, because the black and the white, I think sometimes is the low hanging fruit. And it's a lot easier both to narrate and to sensationalize and make, you know, really good on the edge of your seat drama. And the black, the many shades of gray can sometimes be a little bit sticky to, to narrate. It can be a little bit, it requires the audience to stick with some ideas and really focus on who the characters are. But, I would I would definitely say that this I feel like has been a very successful journey into deeper storytelling with characters instead of just with events. Yeah. And it it, it kind of makes you fall in love with the characters again that you might have fallen yeah. out of love with. So, you know, that's very good. Um in this episode uh I think a lot is a lot of light is shine on the relationship between Daryl and um, Michonne. Uh, how would you characterize it after seeing this episode? Uh, it, it's funny because I know a lot of people were curious about one, the scar on Michonne's back. <clears throat> and we also know that Daryl had one too. Um, but we, but there, there definitely was a disconnect between Daryl and Michonne and what that was felt awkward and, uh, and obviously not very well explained. I, I, one of the things that I think that they have actually done really well here in, in a little bit of uh, narrative magic in, in some, you know, spellbinding way, uh, without being over sensational about it, is they have moved Daryl from, even at the beginning of this uh, season, from being the loner that we know he is out in the, you know, woods with the dog and, not having uh, a whole lot of, you know, 
contact specifically with the communities. <clears throat> and they not only explained why that happened, but they gave him, to quote the episode title, they gave him scars deep enough that it made sense why he was still such a loner, why he chose to be out there in the same way that I feel like they justified Michonne's intense distrust of people outside of the community. So to that end, when they did that, when they created that piece, they've also come around now to this episode where it feels like with Daryl and leaving Lydia, that he has he's moved into a different kind of position uh, a different kind he feels different as a character and i have to say that it sort of snuck up on me just a little bit i don't think that i expected that to happen i know i was looking for it <clears throat> but the cues have been so little and so um and so just almost subliminal that now it just feels like oh okay <clears throat> excuse me, of course Daryl isn't going to be just a loner. Of course Daryl really cares about people. People just have to coax that out of him, right? Does that make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, we question as well when it comes to Daryl as a leader. Yeah, de definitely. And the, the backstory and Scars really gives Daryl a lot of depth in, in, in the sense that it, sort of puts him front and center in both the Judith sort of ordeal, but also in the, this is why Michonne doesn't trust people. And so when Michonne says, I trust Daryl, that means a lot. I mean, the fact that at the gate, we saw two parallel things happen, right? <clears throat> at the beginning, we saw Lydia and Henry and Daryl, um, and we saw everybody at the gate asking to come in and the people on top of the gate said, yeah, we can't trust them. No, this isn't good. And the, as the flashback comes in and we see exactly what happened before, by the end of the episode, you understand why that scene was so important. It's for Michonne to trust Daryl and say, okay, we can allow these, we can allow Lydia in. We can, you know, we can allow Henry in. We can, we can deal with this says a lot based on what we know that she must have already been experiencing the kind of anxiety that she must have been experiencing because that's exactly what happened when the whole when the whole thing happened with judith when they uh when the the when the other group arrived so i mean <clears throat> it felt to me like they really wove it together i guess well no yeah they I mean, they wove it together excellent because, um, you know, like sometimes I get a little worried when they try to set you up because it hasn't always been the best and the smoothest. But I thought this was a case where they did a good job with it. So, um, you know, once again, a great and that torture scene. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> that was that was uh, something else. I heard watching it. So, yeah. And they, you and can they, tell mm -hmm. that the that the new writers or maybe not the new writers, but the new method of writing here has really softened the outer edges of, uh, of how they are doing things that event driven is super important, but that event driven is not the end all right. right. That, that there is something 
under the surface where it didn't feel like there was something under the surface before. A lot of times The Walking Dead felt like episode to episode, it was what's going to happen? Who's going to die? What it, What single event will propel this episode into my memory? And now it feels a lot softer. It feels like there are things to pay attention to because we want not just to care about the characters, but because we're interested in who they are, not just what they're doing. And I, I do, I feel like that's a big shift. A huge shift because, you know, like, as you were saying that, uh, that's not always was the case. It wasn't always the case that we, that, that, you know, that event driven, which, you know, Hey, I, I totally understand why they would do that because, you know, that's, tried and true right to, right to do that but uh but um yeah i like this this is uh this is almost like it has this big boy pants on you know the show yeah it's matured after all of these seasons <clears throat> it's sort of finally found uh, a different maturity level than perhaps it's had before and in an interesting twist i think Last night, they were able to tell two consecutive stories that almost blended together seamlessly without using anything that I would consider to be tricky on their part. You know, I mean, obviously, we knew it was the Michonne scenes when Michonne was pregnant and that was in the past, but they didn't use, uh, they didn't trick us out. They didn't use soft filters. They didn't change colors. They didn't, they didn't use any of the usual suspects when it comes to production to give us that sense it was like it felt so much more seamless on a timeline because they didn't do that right mm -hmm. because it felt a lot more organic like no 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 this is just what happened before you don't really need to have any special feelings about it you just need to know that it happened which was also kind of cool very cool <laughs> very yeah it was very cool yeah um, now, it's funny, this show, I'm talking about the series, starts off with Rick shooting a kid in the face. Now, the kid was a zombie kid, so we'll give him some slack with that. But there's been a lot of scenes with death and children. It's like a recurring yeah. thing, you know, Sophia, and there's the look at the flowers, and it's quite a bit of stuff there. Um, in this episode, I mean, it's to the max of uh, right. of children and it it, it almost felt like uh, the whole child rebel soldier you know thing like uh have you ever seen this really great movie called uh beast of no nation um, yeah you know uh it kind of felt almost like that you know and i want you to kind of give your thoughts on the history of this show with children and you know we have judith running around with a gun and, you know, children and violence, you know, reflected in the world that they live in, plus the way that the kids were used in this particular episode. And, and then we'll get to, you know, the, the end, you know, the end scene. But uh, just what do you what do you think about that as far as the way it was handled on the show? Well, in in this particular episode, of course, it it does sort of feel like a culmination of many past events um, of of having kids be treated as 
I, I think the best way to frame it is The Walking Dead does not give us the interludes of childhood the way that perhaps a lot of shows do. And I, I feel like even the governor's daughter was a really good example of the zombie apocalypse or the, the zombie virus. It 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 doesn't play favorites. It's it's not like the things that are gonna happen during and after the apocalypse are somehow uh free from age discrimination or those things are arbitrary there is no such thing as the Mm -hmm. virus has some kind of uh hard stop at 12 years old or hard stop at you know you're this height or you're this color or you have this hair color or whatever it doesn't seem to matter and to that end it feels very equal where it will never feel equal is the fact that we don't live in the zombie apocalypse and we treat children with a kind of uh, almost reverence. We want our children to be safe and secure. It tugs on heartstrings that even if we're not parents, we still feel because nurturing the young is just something that human beings are kind of, you know, born to do. And so when, when there is the when there's the big scenes where kids are involved sometimes i feel like they can be sensational right i mean i really felt like the carol scene was so sensational but why was it sensational it wasn't sensational because the children themselves suffered it was because we knew that carol would spend the rest of her life suffering with what that really meant and that feels really important. Similarly, in this episode, we understand intuitively that Michonne not only didn't want to kill the kids, but that her reason, her justification for killing them was to save her own, was to save Judith. And that, it it, it feels really... Um, important to understand that 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 even if these people although i think michonne had a more of a pause that this isn't really about them being kids as much as it is them being the vulnerable them being uh the ones who can't take care of themselves so if you look at this if you look at scars in a wider metaphor right michonne came to the understanding that those who cannot protect themselves must be protected. And the only way that she could see that was by remembering the fact that Judith was once one of those that could not be protected. And that I think has been sort of the narrative thread that they've been trying to get to through all these episodes with kids and never really got to until now. Mm. Well, I think that, uh, you know, it, it was very jarring, you know, to see, especially the last scene with the mm-hmm. with the um, katana. And I love how they did it by cutting between uh, the, her taking out the walkers and then so that you don't actually see what she's doing. Right. I, I thought that was really well done. It was very well edited, too, and very well acted as well. And um, 
you know, I I really I gotta say it was really good. I enjoyed it. For a show that doesn't back away from gore ever, full stop, uh, the tasteful way that they put this together felt like it was a respect of the subject matter as opposed to just, I'm sure we could get away with it, therefore we'll do it. Right. Right. And as much as we, we love HBO, HBO might have shown a little too much. Well, you know, in some ways, too, I also think that this was a a big, this is a big respect factor for Michonne, right, to, to not glamorize it in any way or sensationalize it, I should say, for Michonne, or from Michonne's perspective, was really a, a nice shout out to the character Michonne, that is, no, we're not going to sensationalize this, because because to Michonne, that there could not have possibly have been anything harder than doing what she had to do in that moment. I, I can't even, honestly, I can't even imagine it. I was thinking, man, I'd have been slicing and dicing them kids. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I'm crazy, though. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So... For uh, what is this? Uh, what do you think this this episode means for the relationship between Judith and uh, and uh, Michonne? Boy, I I wish I had a good answer for that. I I think Michonne probably, you know, turned a corner in, and it sort of brought Judith and Michonne closer together in terms of uh, ideological thinking. But I don't know if it really does anything to change Michonne's deeper suspicion that the world is out to get you. And the only way to protect yourself is basically not to be involved with anybody else. I, I, I don't, I feel like, I feel like this is important as a moment for, her and Judith to have and that maybe sometimes Judith can be right and maybe sometimes helping people is a good thing but that it's not really going to fundamentally change who Michonne is because I because I think Michonne has just suffered too much I just I I mean based on even last the Sunday night's episode it just feels like uh yeah, she has been through hell, and literally that. and figuratively. Right. And how you reorganize yourself after that to become, you know, Pollyanna about anything, even remotely, is really tough to see. I, I see that she could change some things, but mm, I think this does more for Judith than it does for Michonne. Yeah. I agree. What about her and um and Negan? I don't know. I, I the, of of all the things that actually uh that really intrigued me about the departure of the show narrative and uh the comic narrative. It's got to be this one. It's got to be how that interaction plays itself out and why it is so important clearly keeping jeffrey dean morgan around is just a fabulous idea i mean even 
his small scenes scattered throughout the episodes, they really matter. But, but, but the consistency behind sort of what he represents is really hard to nail down. So I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is one place where I just have n- no good uh, foresight into what might be happening there. Other than, you know, I, I know some very basic things about what happens in the comics between Negan and uh, and and what's going to happen with the Whispers, or what we think is going to happen with the Whispers, and so it leads me to believe that maybe there's some little tie, but they've done so many different things with Negan now that I just wonder if that storyline is not completely uh, sort of trashed in favor of something else. Yeah, I agree, and um, there's something that I'm a little scared of that I know about the comic book when it, as, as it relates to Ezekiel and alpha. So, uh, hopefully they Mm. they won't do that. So, you know, let's hope not, but, um, I won't say what it is, so I don't want to spoil it in a comic book. And it might be, some people might see that as spoiling the show, but you know, whatever. It's, it, you know, at this point, I, th- I think we mentioned this before. At this point, it is really difficult, I think, to spoil the show. Because, first of all, we're not the writers, right? We're just commenting on material that's been out there for a very long time and making assumptions about what may or may not happen. And, and to compare apples and oranges, even if they both have appeal it really, it just doesn't, there's just no, there's no way to do it. So, you know, I, I don't find it. I've really thought about this a lot. You know, I've really thought about does talking about the comic make people, uh, does it give them advanced knowledge that maybe they shouldn't have? And every time I keep coming back to no, it really doesn't because everything about the walking dead has always been in the nuances that they tell the story with. It's, it's not the same. And even if the story points line up, it's not the same. So yeah, to me, it never feels like that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Well, it'll be interesting. These last two episodes can't wait to get to it. And uh, can I, mm -hmm. can I ask you a question about something that happened? Uh, during the episode. Of course. So uh, one of the things that, uh, and this was early on, um, that seemed so interesting to me was the fact that Michonne took the time to sit down with Lydia and basically passively aggressively tell her that maybe she should make the decision to leave everything that is who they are in favor of something else because she might be a danger. Um, And she didn't say it that way. Of course she couched it in, you know, this is my own experience. My own experience is sometimes uh, we have to do things that put the, we have to do things as a sacrifice, basically ourselves that we then know will safeguard other people. And I, I wonder what you thought about that 
just about his, well, about, I guess, not his, I guess about Michonne first and what, why that reaction to Lydia was so strong because I really felt something from that and I don't know exactly what it is. I hope maybe you have some insight. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they had to establish Lydia with, with Michonne, you know, who's going to be the biggest, uh, the biggest, uh, you know, person against, um, potentially against him. So I'm sorry, against Lydia. And, it's like if Lydia can pass some sort of test with uh, with um, Michonne, then she can do it with anybody, right? So, but mm-hmm. but didn't but didn't you think that Michonne was basically telling Lydia like you should really leave? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's it was really from a point of view of she wants to see where she you know where she really stood, you know. It was just, there there was just something not off-putting, but something uh, against the grain Mm -hmm. in that conversation that I I just couldn't quite put my finger on. I don't know exactly what it is, but it was something felt different about that conversation between Michonne and Lydia and Michonne and everybody else. And I, I don't know what it is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I just don't know. I, I want to, I, I sort of want to fathom a guess, but I also feel like it's disingenuous to do so because I just can't quite figure out what it was about it that made me take pause. Mm. I watched that scene three times. Really? Be- yes, because I really felt like there's something so important here from a character perspective and I don't know what it is, but I am intensely fascinated by what it reveals. Wow. Um, Maybe we'll yeah, learn we'll, soon. I think we'll find out in the next episode. Uh, or, well, I mean, we, we know something big is going to happen in the next episode, right? Yeah, calm before the storm. And the last episode is the storm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. All right. So uh, how can people get you on social media? People can find me on Twitter at following bliss one or hop over to my websites at criticallaughs.com and moviesmakethemeal.com. That's right. And you can get me at Kente F on Twitter and go to our website, indieradio.org. Uh, if you are a fan of the show American Gods, we will be on at 4.30 uh, Pacific, 7.30 Eastern to talk American Gods episode two of season two. So looking forward to that. With all that said, we'll catch you next time right here. My life is like a browser with 25 open tabs. I have kind of a constantly plugged in thing. Any interruption could jeopardize the whole operation. So I got my internet service from AT&T because their customers rated their service number one in reliability over cable. For $40 a month, I can get up to 100 megabits per second internet so I can stay up to date on the latest stuff going on in my world. It's soothing to know AT&T internet is rated number one in reliability over cable. It helps me maintain my low stress thing. AT&T internet customers rank their service number one in reliability over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing.
New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits per second. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance and reliability of speed and service consistency. The big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract ever. And keep the phone and number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.